Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We are in week seven of football action. I'm Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Ludwig Avalanche Journal. And as always, I'm joined by KLBK sports director, Ryan King. We'll be getting into um, a lot of the, the action from this week, this past week rather, what's coming up this week and just kind of chatting about some, some good old gridiron action. Ryan, what did you see from this past week? Well, it, it it was a really weird week because like a, a large, large chunk of our three A's and two A's in the area were on bye. Right. So it was focusing on friendship was on the road, but Abilene did uh, shoot that force down in Sweetwater. And then our five A's were all playing. And then we had like one or two, three A's and two A's. And then it was like our small schools, like Taps and everybody. So it was nice in a way to since a large majority of our teams are 3A and 2A, and then obviously 1A as well. But, like, it was nice to have a week where we could focus on friendship and then the 5As and then the Taps, who are all in week – they were in week two, now going into week three. So it was interesting in that way to have that break that everyone took at the same time uh, to focus on those teams that are still very early in their seasons. Yeah. Speaking of one of those teams, uh, Coronado, you know, beating – a good Lubbock Cooper team, 28 to zero. Uh, from what I could find, that was Seth Parr's first shutout and Coronado's first since I think 2012. Mm-hmm. First time Lubbock Cooper has been shut out since 2009, which was um, by Idaloo, which tells you how long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And since something like that, um, I was at that game and it was it was what we expected as far as um, Coronado's offense against Lubbock Cooper's defense and the. Defense did a lot of things. I mean, I think uh, Kyler Jordan had two sacks. I think Garrison Smitherman had one. Um, on the opposite end, C.J. Lewis had a quarterback sack for Coronado. Um, Charlie Robinson and Isaiah Kelly both had interceptions, which obviously when you have um, a matchup like that, you're going to go to the other side of the ball. And I think that Coronado's defense was just extremely dominant. We talked about it before about how – you know, in some cases they've been underrated in the past on that side just because the offense puts up so many points. You know, that air raid is super exciting and um, very aesthetically pleasing for a lot of football fans. But, I mean, that defense is just playing at a really high level right now. And to be able to to do what they did, it was, uh, it was a fun game to watch and just really shows the growth that they've taken over the past year. It I did not get to shoot this game, but did get to watch it through, you know, feeds, through our highlights and everything. Um, it is – I remember last week when we were talking about it, it was only one game, but they looked so good against Friendship. I was like, this team had the potential – and even said this in the offseason, this team has the potential of being deeper than any I've seen so far between 17, 18, and 19, and now this year, and better all around. I think Friendship and Cooper have taken a step back from what they were last year, but they're still not bad teams – so what I have seen from Coronado, it's only two games, but I think, honestly, there's not really much doubt. This is a deeper and better Coronado team than I have seen since I have been here. And a team that when I first got here in 2017, uh, they had a great quarterback back then. They had a great wide receiver in Blair Conrad that's now making plays for TCU. They had the pieces there, you know, don't get me wrong, but 
this team is so deep and so good at so many positions and senior laden, which is something that you and I have talked about. This You cannot overstate how important it is that your best players are also seniors. Absolutely. Like, this season is at wide receiver, quarterback, linebacker. Like the most important positions, they have seniors that are the most talented guys that are going to college to play. And mm-hmm. that team back in 2017 – uh, made it all the way to, I believe, the state quarters and lost to Denton Ryan, a very, very good Denton Ryan, Ryan, Ryan team. They played late into November. Now, they sure the calendar is completely different, but if it were on schedule, I would expect something honestly pretty similar. They, they have looked very good, and there's still going to be tough games down the road in this uh, district, but this Coronado team is for real. I, I don't think this is just a, oh, they've had a couple good weeks. I, I believe in this team. I think they are legitimately very talented. Yeah, and to your point, I think it's not just seniors, but seniors with experience. These guys have been playing. I mean, you've got, you know, Sawyer's been playing since he was a sophomore. Isaiah's been playing since he was a sophomore. I believe Charlie as well. Um, and then even the guys that have come in, like your your Eli's, your Corey's, who were new last year. I mean, they picked up on it really well and learned it. Um, and then you got Will Boyles, who was only um, let's see, a sophomore last year. I believe a sophomore last year. Coming in now is junior season. Then Trevor Stevens. You know, I'm like, it never hurts to have some height there. Yeah. But I like the way he put it. I, I got a chance to talk to Trevor after the game on Friday, and he said, you know, if you need a couple yards, I'm your guy. You know, I, I can get you the first down. You know, Eli's the the flashy one who will get you those highlight-worthy touchdowns. So they all know, you know, their different roles, and, you know, they've embraced that, and, and that adds to just the depth of what they have. And then, like you mentioned, for the defense, I mean, right now – a kid that we haven't even talked about, Nigel Brethwaite, hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. He, um, I have to check the stats from this week, but last week, the week before, if I can talk, uh, when they played friendship, he was their leading tackler with like 11. But, you know, we know the Isaiah's and the Charlie's, like I mentioned, the Amari's. Um, but Nigel is coming in and making plays and leading in tackles. You know, so they have so many different guys that have now learned the defensive system and they're coming in and doing really well. Um, that said, in the context of that game against Cooper um, and Coach Darden talked about it, their offense is struggling a little bit, um, getting some guys acclimated and, and just finding their rhythm. I mean, when you lose two D1 running backs the way that they did, that's obviously going to hurt. Um, but you just hope that they have enough to be able to um, – just make those adjustments and, and improve on that. And that's not going to be easy this week because for as Coronado's defense is friendships defense also is also pretty good. I had a chance to talk to um, coach Jay Northcutt, who will be in the second segment. If y'all want to keep listening and talked about Stefano Sanchez or Stefano Sanchez, you know, he led them in tackles this past week with 16 and they beat, Rose and Centennial, 49-42 in kind of a back-and-forth game. So it's going to be – you have two really big tests when it comes to defense for Lubbock Cooper's offense. Um, and when you look at Friendship's defense, like I mentioned, Stefano, you've got the Jakes, you've got, you know, the Tristans and those kind of guys. So it's going to be another another big test that they're going to have to overcome and, and just kind of working those things out. No, I mean – it is such an interesting schedule here early for so many of our local teams playing each other, but you're exactly right with, with Cooper. The offense has not looked like what you would want, which we knew they wouldn't have the running game. I mean, obviously you lose guys like Isaiah Johnson, Nehemiah Martinez, 
who are already doing stuff on Saturdays, um, you knew they'd take a step back there. But I agree with you. I think the friendship defense has enough has enough talent there that they can also present them with problems. And I what what stings for Coopers, I think they need a game where it I don't think this would be false hope because I, I truly believe in just seeing yourself succeed can help you in a lot of different ways. And I think Cooper needs a game where they go against a bad defense, they put up 45 points or something, and they start to feel like they can do it. Because right now, they scored 18 on Cabrock. Really, when I was talking to Coach Jordan, he said, we give 11 of those points to the defense, two safeties mm-hmm. and a turnover on, like, the four-yard line. Is That's basically – so, really, you have one offensive touchdown on the year. They have missed, I believe he's told me, five field goals, four or five field goals on the season so far. Um not making a single one yet, obviously, when you look at the scores. Right. So you, you can't really trust the special teams up close. The offense hasn't been driving down the field. Overall, the, no matter how dominant the defense is, you're, you, you're going to need you, – it's, it's not realistic against good teams to hold everybody to three to ten points. Like, you just can't do it. So I think Cooper needs a get-right game. And to be honest, I don't know if Friendship is that get-right team that you can go out there and just score at will on. You know, that's 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 – kind of the problem with them right now is I don't think that fixes all your problems. I'm not saying that, but there's a certain thing you have to see yourself succeed. And so far this Cooper offense has not seen themselves, seen themselves succeed. Uh, no, go ahead. No, I thought it was interesting how um, in the third series, they brought in Colt Holt Gibson. I mean, coach Darden said that that was already planned. It wasn't anything that Cooper LeFevre was doing. They were just going to bring him in there. Um, and then at one point, they had Rylan Wilcox uh, running it, which is also interesting because Rylan is, is the defensive guy. You know, he's, he's the safety that led him in interceptions, I believe, last year. Um, he also is a return specialist. So you wouldn't think of him, you know, playing offense, but it just goes to show that they're just – they're really trying to find that, um, that voice or that identity, if you will, on offense and, and trying different things. Um, and they still have Ben Marcinkowski, who yeah. – uh, a good game and got them some good first downs when they needed them. But it was just a matter of um, when it counted for lack of a better term, they weren't able to, to get the ball in the end zone. I don't think they, they made the red zone very much either. Um, Coronado's defense was just that dominant. And then you go in, like we talked about, now you're going to play against a friendship defense that, you know, was able to, to withstand Burleson Centennial um, they won by a touchdown in that game, 49 to 42, as I mentioned. And then you go and I mean, it's going to be an exciting game. I just mm-hmm. think it's going to be the same as last year because last year's teams were so different. I mean, you had three division one guys, if you count Donovan Smith, who's now at Texas tech um, on the field. Well, not on the field, obviously, because Isaiah and Nehemiah are obviously offense, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. Offensive. Yeah. Yeah. On the sidelines. And this year, you know, they're, they're, still trying to find their identities on those side of the balls. And I think friendship is just a little more ahead just based upon what we've seen from Chad Ferris. And then coach uh, Northcutt mentioned Carson Miller also had a really good game. So um, it's just a matter of, I think as far as their offenses go, who can make those adjustments and who can kind of uh, get that incremental growth quicker. And that'll be who wins the game. I also want to go back to something you said. Cooper, I agree. Like, they probably are using this beginning of the season to, like, work through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd like to get wins while you're doing that. But the most important thing is district. It is getting ready for the playoffs. 
but I mean, you're right. This matchup, it's not going to be like last year. It's going to be completely different from last year's, you know, shootout insane game. Um, which I guess is good for both teams because I don't think either team would want to face last year's version of the other one. I don't think Friendship would want to see that Cooper team. I don't think Cooper would want to see Donovan Smith and those guys. So uh, it would be really fun, but it's like that's uh, – it probably works out for each of those teams. But Friendship, I agree that they're kind of a weird team here early where they won a shootout against Burleson Centennial, which good for them to show that they can – you know, Ted Ferris looks better um, and – their offense can be what Coach Northcott wants it to be. And they lost to a really high-scoring, very good Coronado team. So, you know, I feel like we're so used to – our opinions are made up or at least very close to being made up for a lot of our 4A down to 1A schools because we've seen them so many times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know who they are. We still don't know who these young teams are, but I think the winner – of Coronado friendship will be sitting really good. I, I think this is a, it's a rivalry win. You're going to two and one, the loser goes to one and two. Uh, I think it's going to be a pivotal week for those, for those two teams. And it is interesting to see how they match up. Can Cooper's defense shut down? I mean, Chad Ferris did not look good against Coronado's defense. And now he's going to go against Cooper's defense. That's even better. But on the flip side, friendship's defense is pretty solid. And Cooper's offense has been, very lackluster. So can they get it going? Cause I think it would be a really good, if Cooper goes out, win or lose scores 31 points against friendship, they've got to be feeling good. like, Oh, there it is. Okay. Now we can build on this. If they go out and lose 17 to seven, you're not feeling good. Even if you say, Oh, the defense stepped up again, like they've got to score. They have got to start scoring. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree with you there. And, I think, honestly, for as much as it's going to be a defensive battle and you will rely on defense, I think it's going to be about which offense can make the most plays at the crucial times, at those clutch moments. Um, Because, like we said, we already know what the offenses – I mean, what the defenses are going to bring. Um, We've seen glimmers of what the offenses can bring, but it's just going to be a matter of who can be the most consistent, who can, you know, rise to that occasion. And that will definitely be an interesting – Interesting game. It'll have a nice venue. They'll be playing at Jones AT&T Stadium, which um, is just a cool thing for them in terms of their rivalry and getting as many fans as they can Um, in the stadium. I'll be at that game. And as I mentioned, I'll be talking to Coach Northcutt in the next segment. Um, And then going over for what that win means for Coronado, they host Odessa High this week um, in a Thursday game, which will also be an interesting game because on one side – if you're going back, if you recall, Odessa High is the reason why Monterey didn't get to play their first game. They had COVID-19 outbreaks, so they've been off for two weeks. So on one aspect, you have where Odessa High is fresh, but at the same time, they've never played. So, or they haven't played this season. So they have film on Coronado, so they kind of know how to game prep. And Coronado doesn't have film, but Coronado has those reps. Um and they have a little more experience. To my knowledge, they don't really have any guys that are injured. They actually got Corey Ferreira back this week from injury. So um, it would appear that all their guys are there. Um, but definitely should be a very interesting game. And I think if Coronado can win this one, it will set up an extremely eventful week eight slash three because they go on the road to Wichita Falls Rider, which you pay attention to 
Lubbock Cooper's district, that's probably what their district is going to um, come down to in terms of that championship because Wichita Falls Rider also has a Virginia University of Virginia commit as their quarterback. So that could definitely set up some interesting things um, for them. Another game I kind of wanted to highlight this week was Lubbock Christian got another big win. Um, obviously they don't play any non-district games. So it's just all the games that they're playing are counting and they're two and zero right now in district and look like they could be headed to another undefeated district title. Lubbock Christian, man, that, that is a program at this one. They are not like one team that that coach Sopley has built the, the soft leaves, I should say have really built that program. And you and I talked about this over the summer. So I'm not going to say for us, this person's underrated, but Alex Lack in general has got to be the most underrated athlete in Lubbock. That guy is so good. He's got good size. He's a really good athlete. Mm-hmm. He's a very good quarterback and he is the leader. They have a lot of leaders at a place like that, but he's sure. a, if not the leader of that team, and I, I absolutely agree with you. It's only a seven-game regular season, uh, so they're already halfway, if you want to look at it that way. They only have five more games um, with two down, and they look explosive on offense. They look like everything they were last year. I know that they lost some, obviously, key talent off last year, right. but it seems like guys have stepped up, and we don't know too much of what they've gone against these first two weeks, mm-hmm. but you can't beat teams 50-something to six and all that if you're not a really talented team. So, yeah, I, I agree. They could absolutely go 7-0, and win the district again. They do have to go true Trinity. That'll be a tricky game. Trinity is better than they were last year, and they barely beat Trinity last year. So, that'll be a tricky one. But, yeah, I absolutely agree. They could be on their way to another undefeated regular season and uh, going deep into the playoffs as far as, you know, who knows in the playoffs, state championships, a whole other thing. Uh, you can go up against a tough team in the third round and not make it, but – I agree. They, they look legitimately like a great team again. And that's what happens when you build a program. I mean, that's, it's not one, t- it's not one class, one player. It's, it's a year after year thing. And it feels like they're also set up even past this year and they lose a guy like Lack. It just, it feels like that is a program that is built to compete year after year. Yeah, definitely. Um, just real quick. So they beat Weatherford Christian 52 to 13 Alex Lack went 21 for 30 passing for 280 yards and five touchdowns. He had two more touchdowns on the ground, 52 yards on 10 carries for a total of seven touchdowns. And I'm guessing a good bulk of their offense. Yep. Cade Landry, five of those catches for 109 yards and three touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) he definitely had a good game and that right now – from what I can tell, he's their leading passer and rusher, um, Alex Lack, that is. Um, and it says a lot, like we talked about just the experience of Coronado, kind of the same thing can be said for Alex in that, you know, he, he shared time under center with Alex Timmons last year, but he had enough time to where he learned and he got that experience. And it never hurts to go to a state title game, even though they didn't win it. And you have that coming back. And even guys like, I think Carson Leatherwood was on that team and, and wasn't, you know, like, the guy, but he got that experience. He had 11 tackles in that game this past week. So, yeah, and we have quite a few, what I would say, young coaches, if you will, like, you know, like your Joe Cooley's, your, your Chip Darden's, you know, um, your, your Chris Offley's, who are, are just now really implementing that system. Um, Jeff Smith at Hale Center. And you see now Stacey Ward at Lockney. I could just go on. <laughs> and you're no. seeing now where 
you know, they're, they're getting it where they want it to be in year two, three, four. Um, and I think like, to your point, that's exactly what's happening at Lubbock Christian to where, yes, they had a big graduating senior class and there were some questions like we knew Alex was going to be good, but there were some questions of who can step up and fill those shoes and, you know, whether or not the teams that they're playing are good, these are district games. So it's not like, you know, um, one it don't of, matter as much. Yeah. One yeah. of our UL, UIL teams playing a, a lesser team and getting a big win over it where you saying, okay, yeah, that probably doesn't matter too much. All of these games are going to matter for Lubbock Christian and Trinity Christian. Um, and to be two and O uh, is going to obviously set them up well, especially the way that their schedule is set up mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks. And I think, if we're lucky, Trinity did lose their game. It was kind of a last-second deal um, on Saturday. But I think it could definitely set up something to where they're they're right there competing with one another um, this season for that district title. That's going to be a really fun matchup. They go uh, love it, Christian. Trinity went down to the last play last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Trinity on the one-yard line got stopped three or four times. Uh, this year it's back at Trinity, which I, th- I found very interesting. But it's at Trinity again this season. And, yeah, it probably is going to come down to a game like that. But it is, it is really nice to see when it's not just one class, one player that's making a team great, when it is clearly a program has been built. And I think – I truly believe Trinity is, is on that track as well. I think you, you see what, they have, what they've done these last couple of years. They are, they are headed in that direction. Now, they could win, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're not at that level of love of Christian yet where they're, you know – yeah. potentially making state championships, but they are, um, but they're building up as well. But no, I agree. Lubbock Christian, once again, was curious in the offseason. They were one of the teams I was most curious about. Are they going to look at, because we knew post will probably look similar to what they were last year yeah. uh, going to a state championship. Lubbock Christian didn't really know. They lost a lot of good pieces, yeah. uh, but it looks like, man, they have picked it up. Yeah, definitely. And then moving back into some senior UIL games, another one I want to mention, Shallow Waters had a COVID case two weeks off and that district actually decided to move up, um, beat Brownfield 57 to six this past week to start district. Obviously Brownfield had dealt with its own COVID issues. Um, and Ryan, you were saying that they, one of their coaches actually passed away this morning. So, um, thoughts and prayers to the Brownfield community, um, dealing with, with the loss of one of their coaches. Um, but I mean, shallow waters set up really well. Um, I mean, they, could run the table. I think it's going to come down to Shiloh and Denver City for that district championship. Denver City also started off district play with the win over uh, Lamise, I believe it was. Um, this week should be really interesting in another district that we talk a lot of it about, um, and deservedly so, when you have Post and Sundown playing each other. Dave Campbell rankings just came out. Post is number three, which they have been all season, but you also have Sundown who moved into the number 10 spot. So as you mentioned before, we, we start up our, our podcast. That will be, to my knowledge, the only top 10 matchup we'll have in this area this week. Both of those teams start off with shallow water. They look incredible. Uh, they look like that what they were a couple of years ago. That offense is clicking. Just uh, Bax Townsend, who uh, on our uh, on KLBK on Tuesdays, we have top performer Tuesday, and Alexis had Bax, I believe, week one. This is very early. Uh, and he, he looks – he looks, you know, very much like the guy that is going to lead that team. He's, he's look great. And then someone who I've just noticed calling highlights, I actually had to ask him how to make sure I pronounce his name correctly, but Mason Aker, not Eker, I found out, but Mason Aker, uh, and a great 
option there at receiver. And Coach Wood just has that team humming right now. I know Brownfield's had their struggles, but I mean, 57 to six, my goodness. That's, and that's not a, a six man team. Like that's, Shallwater looks so impressive. But yeah, I agree with you. I feel so vindicated about Sundown uh, in the offseason, talking about how this team is going to be what I saw at the end of the year. They are going to be a team. You can call them a surprise team, whatever. A team that we're not talking about that's going to be a really good team. Not surprised they're in the top 10. Coach Cummings, one of our better coaches in the area. I truly believe he is a great coach. That program gets better every season. If they're bad, they get to average. If they're average, they get to good. If they're good, they get to great. And they start off this year looking good. I think they can absolutely end that very, very good and make another deep playoff run. Um, the problem is Post is elite, and they are one of, if not the best, 2A uh, team in the state. Uh, you know, uh, Division One at least. Um, and I, I'm. Yeah, it's really nice to see Sundown build. Even on the first couple of games, they were not what I thought they could be, but they built since then and become that consistent, really good team. Uh, so it's very interesting. Maybe they can be post. They keep it close to them. That'll say a lot about that squad, but that is a great, that's going to be a very, that's going to be a fun matchup. Um, it'll be post first. Like, I mean, Abernathy is obviously down this year, but that's still a beating a 3A team. But if they can go out and handle sundown, that really says something. Um you know, to me, once again, like Post says something to us, I, I feel like every single week. But uh, that is a really fun matchup of, a, a, of top 10 teams. And it's nice to see, regardless of what happens in the game, Sundown getting some attention because I do think they are um, they are better than most people think and they don't recognize because you, you know the history of New Deal. You know the history of Post. Sundown's been right there. It's yeah. just they, they happen to have – state elite teams in their district, you know? And that, I think I mentioned that uh, if I had EJ Hernandez on a top performer, um, I just felt like, or no, maybe you had Sundown as a team. I can't remember Sunday, yeah. through the archives. But um, I had said that, that I feel like because of what New Deal did two years ago and um, posted last year, Sundown kind of went underrated. But they had a really good chance of beating a good Holly team in the regional quarterfinals last year, it just came down to, you know, I think it was a field goal that just kind of blew wayward, but uh, they were on their way to a really deep run. I mean, they had a deep run, but even deeper. Um, and this year, EJ Hernandez has looked really good. Um, Carson Holson there under center has kind of complimented him. I feel like in their defense has been uh, elite at that level. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely, I think post will win it. But I think that you, Sundown has a good chance of finishing second in that district. I don't oh, yeah. know that New Deal is what they were um, in the past. Uh, I don't know. Toka's kind of struggled a little bit as a, the newcomers. So I don't know that um, they'll be competing for a second spot. I think, you know, getting a playoff spot is still within the realm of possibility. But I think um, Sundown has a good chance of finishing second. And if they can at least stay close with post – in this game this week, I think that they'll put themselves in really good position to at least get a little bit of confidence. I know moral victories is kind of taboo for coaches, and they don't any good coach would not want to settle for that. But I think to keep it within a touchdown or two with post would be a good moral victory um, for them. Also, getting started in this in district this week, Estacado hosting Seminole. Um, both those teams have had some some struggles this season. Um, Estacado comes in at one and five. 
Seminole comes in at two and three, I believe, um, two wins on the season. So um, even despite some of those struggles, I think, or two and four. I think they're two and four. Okay. Um, even despite some of those struggles, I still think now getting into district play, Estacado can kind of turn some things around and get back on the winning track. Um, it's just, uh, we've talked about, they played a hard, a hard non-district. Um, and I think that will prepare them to be able to be competitive with the teams in their district. This is what we've been talking about for weeks. Estacado has to win this game on yeah. many levels. Yeah. They have to win this game. You cannot drop below 500. And that's, and by that, I mean, they're one in five. They're obviously well below 500, mm-hmm. but if they win out, they win the district. They're solidly in the playoffs. Obviously, they win the district, and they finish five and five with the potential of finishing above that in the playoffs. They lose this game. You do not get above five hundred unless you get to the third round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, which would actually be even. Uh, they'd finish four, and, then, and then they'd only be six and six if they lost. They, so they'd have to get to the fourth round of the playoffs to finish with a winning record. Um, and I know it's not just about like that's not the main goal. Is like let's have a winning record this season. I get that. But for, for record-wise, yes, for, for record-wise, they got to win this game. And you and I talked about – we've made excuses for Estacar a long way. Valid, but they've had a really tough schedule. They've been building for district play. Well, district play is here, and you've gone one in five. You have to win your district games. If you are a good team, if you are a really good team, you have to win these games. This yeah. is a district that has not performed well in non-district games – so you have to be the best of these. You have to go 4-0. You've got to finish 5-5. Five and five. And it starts with Seminole. You're at home against a Seminole team that has struggled. You have to win this game. If they lose this game, Estacado will be in some big trouble. Because, like I said, it has been a brutal schedule. This isn't like, oh, you guys should have been 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two. Like, the, game, the games they are playing are really hard. Like, I get it. These are tough teams. Now, we can talk about how they're losing the games. That's the whole thing. But the fact that they're losing is not in and of itself terrible. Right. But in this district, they are no worse than anybody in this district. You have to win these games. You have to win this district. You want to make the playoffs. You want to make a run in the playoffs. Now is the time. I'm sure this fan base, this team has been patient Mm -hmm. for these six games, knowing there's a bigger goal. We're getting ready for district. District is here. You have to beat Seminole. You're at home. You're the better team. You have to win. And that's the way I'm sure Coach Cluey is telling that to the team. like, guys, this is when the season really gets going like, we better step it up this week. Yeah. And speaking to that schedule, I think Coach Cooley had good intentions in making it. I think yeah. that his team had taken that next step, which had that defense, Kiki, Cedric, Papa, Tadrian, um, although had they been juniors, I think it would have been a lot. We'd be singing a different song this year. But seeing that that caliber of a team graduated, and that, yeah. I mean, they – the defense is doing fairly well. Um, it's just some some offensive struggles too. But um, I think thinking of that team, this schedule made sense. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense for him to want to kind of up that Annie and to play better competition because it's no fun to win like by 50 to a cupcake team if you're going to get eliminated from the playoffs in the same round every year. Like, and that would go to the record. But I think the thing now – when you look at everything that they've gained from, from those games. Um, and, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think the thing, the biggest thing is just going to be confidence because yeah. I, I do think that they can still win this district. However, if they're feeling a little shaky or not feeling confident or don't have that, 
that um, internal whatever to compete, I think it could really snowball. So the main thing is to just be in good spirits. And it sounds super cheesy, but just to be in good spirits and to still have that that edge and to still have those good practices and still get 1% better every week that, that Coach Cooley talks about. Um, because Seminole's coming off a win. I mean, they've put together back-to-back wins after starting the season uh, 0-4, like you mentioned. They beat Muleshoe 51-40. to And then this past week, they beat Monahan's 28-21. to um, So they're feeling good, you know. And then you have Estacado, who is coming off of um, back-to-back losses against, uh, was like Canyon and, and, uh, and Bushland, I think it was. Yeah. Because her was week three, yeah. So I think you're going to have to to find that confidence and, and get things rolling, but it does help that they're at home. Um, it's not a venue at the same time that Seminole is unfamiliar with because yep. Seminole beat Lubbock High last year in the season opener at Lowry. So I don't know if there's too much of an advantage there other than the fact that Seminole has to travel, but they're familiar with the stadium. It's going to be a little different, obviously, because of COVID um, and those limitations. But um, – this game, I think, is the moment where you're going to find out a lot about Estacado. Um, and like you mentioned, we, we have given grace because of their non-district, but now that yeah. they're starting, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how that goes. And is that the game that you'll be at, Ryan? Yeah, I will be shooting uh, Coronado uh, against Odessa on uh, Thursday mm-hmm. at Lowry, and then Estacado taking on Seminole on Friday. And everything you said about them is right. We will learn a lot this week. I want more than anything. I want to see consistency. Yeah, it's felt even in the losses. It's not like they're losing, you know, close or like it's one game will be like, oh, they barely lose to I believe um, was it Andrews that mm-hmm. they uh, lose to by That's one good. late late in the game. Like they almost get the win, then they go to Bushland and they're getting blown out. I mean, it's I, I I'm not saying I expected them to win or lose against Bushland. I you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors in the games like that. But not the way they lost. I was surprised the way that game went. And I'm surprised that I am still surprised after six games with Estacado. You know, a couple games in, I was like, okay, they should be playing better. I was a little surprised they didn't. But as the games went, I was like, okay, they beat Hereford. They almost beat um, Andrews. Like, they come within literally an extra point of going to overtime. You know, like, so it's like, okay, they've clearly taken a step as a program, uh, as a team this year. But then the very next game against Bushland, who is not some world beater – they're getting blown out. So I, I want to see some consistency out of them. And I'm sure Coach Cluley, when we talked to him at the luncheon later this week, I'm sure he will echo something similar. As, yes, it, I, I have not seen an Estacado team since I've been here that from one week to the next, is so, it seems like they're a pendulum swinging back and forth. Win or lose, mm-hmm. they'll play really well and then really bad. And then, oh, they'll almost win. They lose. They they win a game. They get blown out by 20. It's – you. Regardless of who you're playing, they're not going to go 4-0 in the district if they're doing that. You can't go in and beat Seminole by 30 and then come back and play poor the next week. They need consistency. And I think yeah. by week seven, we can't still be talking about consistency. Like, we need to see something starting this week where they are the same team every week. That's what you need to see. Yeah, and that's something that Coach Cooley has talked about um, at our luncheons is just getting that, that consistency and seeing what he sees in practice in those games um, definitely something to watch out for this week. I believe George Watson will be there for us. I will be at the Jones. First time I'll be there this season. Not that I go to a whole bunch of tech, Texas Tech games. I did make a couple last year, but 
Um, so I'll be there with Friendship and Love at Cooper. Looking forward to that game. Um, before we wrap up, just kind of want to go over, as always, our teams that are still currently undefeated, starting with big schools. We have Coronado, Lubbock High, two yeah. for the first time in at least 20 years. Um, definitely have to do some more research on that. Um, Coach Shane Steven wasn't too sure he heard 96. I saw uh, 2000, um, but had a big win um, against Fort Stockton, looking very good, talking about culture change. Um, also undefeated. Yeah. Let's see. Plainview did get their first win um, with Jonathan Haddock there as the head coach. So shout out. Now they're meeting. <laughs> yep. Shallow water still undefeated. Um, we're getting real thin here. Roosevelt, Idaloo, uh, which I think that'll be for a district title as well. We need to talk about them too yep. much. Um, Post is still undefeated. And I think that will – oh, Lottie is still undefeated. Lottie. Do we have any 1As? Do we have any 1As that are undefeated? We do not. Um, the closest would be – Motley County is Moss, okay. four and one. Jayton's five and one. Then, of course, Lubbock Christian's undefeated. Um, and so I believe that would do it for all of our undefeated area teams. So it's I can't wait for Idaloo Roosevelt. Man, I cannot wait for that game. That's going to be so fun. And that, I believe, is a week 11 matchup, which makes yeah. it. I knew it was either 10 or 11. I knew it's late there. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can, I mean, they'll have a. It's already a rivalry, but I think if both those can come in undefeated, first of all, that means they beat Abernathy. Which yeah. yeah. Its own challenge. Uh, Coahoma looks really good this year as well. So their district is highly competitive. But if they can both be undefeated coming into that game at the end of the year, that's going to be extremely exciting. Hey, the 10 year magic of Idaloo versus the Roosevelt, just it looks like Roosevelt is just, talk about a program that's been built and really capitalizing on it. Right. That's how Roosevelt looks. And that, that'll just be such a good matchup. Yeah, year three for Matt Landers. Something about the number three. Yep. yep. That's, what, that's what it takes in football, though. That's what, in football, yeah. it's usually that third year and beyond, but you can tell at, at, at least the third year. Yeah, and three is my favorite number, so I'm, I'm good with that. Mine's 20, so I don't want to wait 20 seasons for coaches <laughs> to be in before I start uh, evaluating them. Yeah, I don't think coaches get to stay around that long. <laughs> no, no, maybe 20 games. Maybe 20 games. Maybe two seasons. So, yeah. Right. So, That's what it takes, yeah. you know, 20 games, and then you're in your third season. So, uh, there you go. Right, That's still somewhere game. around there. It takes 20 so, games, yeah. There you go. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Lone Star Mercy Podcast. As I mentioned before, stay tuned to hear Friendship Coach Jay Northcutt talk about their win over Sweetwater, or excuse me, their win at Sweetwater against Burleson Centennial, and then coming up this week playing Lubbock Cooper at the Jones, which will be a very exciting game. And we're back with the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm joined by friendship coach Jay Northcutt. Obviously a big week coming up with Lubbock Cooper. We all know how last year's game went. But first, talking about this past week 
in facing Burleson Centennial, um, the first thing that jumped out in looking at the stats was just Chad Ferries and, you know, just seeing his growth from game one to game two. What was that like? Well, I'll tell you, it was real rewarding for me as a coach, but just because I've seen how hard Chad has worked in preparation uh, for this year and then to know how he performs in practice, uh, you know, and not only that, to have extra practice like we had because of COVID. And so, in other words, he and, and a lot of the other kids for that matter, just have invested so much. So for him to go in and have a good game like he did and just see him play like you, you know he was capable of, it's just rewarding, you know, to know that his hard work is, has paid off for him, you know, specifically in that game. And, and I think, you know, from here, he's just going to continue to get better. And so I was just very excited and proud of how he played in the game. You counted for almost all your offensive yards, five of the seven touchdowns. You know, where do you, I guess, just see him kind of going from here and moving forward and knowing the kind of game that you guys will be playing on Friday? Well, I, I think, like I said, I think he's only going to continue to get better. Um, you know, he kind of brings um, some different elements to the table because he can throw the ball really well and then you add in his speed. Uh, and I think that's kind of what surprised people. Um, is because they hadn't seen him run much, you know, this year at least. And so had a chance to really see him run this last week. And so he can really put a lot of pressure, I think, on a D with his legs. And then you add in the fact that he can throw the ball pretty well. And, you know, that that's just a extra, you know, piece of the game that the defense has to work on. So I think that's what he brings to the table for us. And then he has just the intangibles. Uh, you know, especially for a kid that's playing quarterback, he's just a good leader. He's a good, has a good work ethic. He doesn't get rattled, uh, you know, and those are things that don't really come with coaching. You either have them or you don't, you know, and, and, and lucky for us, he has them. Definitely seemed like it took that in a 49-42 win over Burleson Centennial kind of back and forth. How much did you depend on, not just him, but you've got a lot of senior leaders to just be able to, to stay composed and pull out a, a win by one touchdown? Well, I think one – one big thing that happened for our team in that game is, you know, we got 14 points down, and so we had a battle back from that. And I think that's where that that senior leadership came in, you know, to not panic when you're down, you know, two two touchdowns, and to just keep playing the next play and keep playing hard and keep playing hard, and that's going to be what gives you a chance to get back in the game and win it. And, and I felt like that's what our, our kids did. You know, I think when when something like that happens and you get down or things aren't going your way you got to have something happen that's a spark for your team that kind of gets you back on track. And I think Carson Miller did that for us in that game when he caught the touchdown on the post. You know, that kind of sparked everybody back up and said, all right, let's go. And, you know, and that just kind of got us going and got us back in the game and helped us end up winning it in the end. You know, another thing I was really pleased with was, was just Chad's management of the game at the end. Uh, you know, he, he knew when to get down and keep the ball in bounds and continue to run the clock. He did a great job managing the clock at the end and running the clock down. And, uh, you know, I, I was really pleased with how he did that. And speaking of which, I mean, they obviously didn't get as much playing time last year, but they saw those guys, you know, the Donovans, the, the Drews, the, you know, the Coopers. How much do you feel like that just even helped them where they weren't in the game but saw how it's done? Oh, I think, you know, that was very, very valuable because those guys, they did it right. You know, they were they were nails every week in practice and games. 
they really worked on their daily habits. You know, uh, Drew Hocutt, he we called him the machine. You know, and so they got to see how he went out and prepared every day. And then this year, Connor Little's playing his spot, and I can see Connor, you know, saying and doing a lot of the same things that, that Drew did. You know, so I think there's a lot of that, not just with Drew, but with all those guys last year and in all different positions, receiver. Uh, on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, where they're they're taking that, and and that's what you want. You know, you you have some success, you want to want that to hold over and continue building on on that. And then, just speaking of defense, I mean, we talked about Jake and Tristan quite a bit during the preseason, um, but Stefano Sanchez, I believe, had 16 tackles in that game. How much of a spark was he for you guys on defense last week? Well, I'll tell you what, he uh, really was key in the game and our defense, they had a really good offense for one, you know, with the running the triple option. And what happened was, uh, you know, we had an injury to our free. So Stefano, he hadn't played a lot of free safety in that game, or excuse me, leading into that game in practice. So he kind of got thrown into that role, that free. And with the coach or with Coach Ribb's game plan that week for the triple option, the free is a pretty big piece of it, you know. And so Stefano had to do that with kind of limited reps. and. Uh, considering that, I thought he played a uh, just a great game. Like you mentioned, he made a, a, a bunch of tackles. He's one of our captains, and he's just a leader on the defense uh, for us. And so I was very proud of how he played. Now moving forward, we all remember, like I said, what happened last year in that that Lubbock Cooper game. You know, for you, what do you remember about those emotions, or just that that in game feeling of you know going to one overtime and then two and then three and then finally you know Colton getting that stop. Well, you know, it was. It was, an excite, it was as exciting of a game as I can ever remember being part of. I think when you're in the moment, it doesn't. you're just trying to, to win the game. And, and it actually took a little bit for it to sink in, even several seconds, or at least it seemed like several seconds for it to sink in that we actually had won it after all that. So, you know, it was exciting, and I think it just kind of adds. It already was a big rivalry, but I think that really kind of adds to the rivalry going into this year and just makes it a great atmosphere to play a game. And obviously these are, are different teams. You know, they lost quite a bit on offense, as did you guys. But then, you know, you get so much back on defense. How do you just see this matchup playing out so far? Well, you know, I know for, for one, it's going to make them hungry. You know, they're, 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 they're going to want to come in. And I know Coach Darden is going to have him ready because he always does. And so I, I think that's a easy way to motivate a team is just to remind them of what happened the year prior, you know. And so that's kind of what we're – focused on with our team is just staying hungry and you know I don't think this is a team where you really have to to push that hunger it's going to be there and they're going to be up for it you know but what you got to be careful of is, is treating it like uh you know different from any other game you know you can't go in there so hyped up and so tight that you can't perform you know you've got to yeah. keep your head out of the clouds and, and and make sure you come out and do it do your job at the end of the day you know and so I think that's kind of how you approach a week like this yeah there's a little bit more excitement just playing at the Jones, you know, um, supposed to play at Lubbock Cooper, but you wanted a bigger venue. So I guess how did that kind of come about and how exciting is that for the guys to, you know, to play at the, the biggest, I guess, stadium in town? Sure. Well, you know, Coach Catney and Coach Catwinkle got together and, and uh, I think made a couple phone calls and wasn't quite sure what would happen with COVID and all, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and if, if the guys at Tech would have decided not to, all of us would have understood, you know, but, but we're very grateful for them to give us the opportunity to play there. Uh, you know, for one, it helps our capacity with, with seating, you know, 
but I don't really think that's why anybody's excited about playing there. You know, it's it's just about the opportunity to go and play at a D1 stadium and, and just play in that atmosphere. Not only that, you're playing, you know, one of your biggest rivals. And so I think that's just kind of what adds to the to the excitement. And we talk about, I mean, a lot of the schools, you know, having so many in the Lubbock area have that, that rivalry, but it just seems like this one is, is a lot more intense. What is it about the two schools, I guess, that you feel like? You know, I think, I don't know for sure. I know, you know, both our, our kids on both teams, they know each other pretty well. They hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we border each other's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, maybe that plays into it, you know. At the end of the day, we're not even in the same district, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, if I was guessing, that's what I would guess. Yeah. What do you feel like will it take to get this win? Because obviously, like you mentioned, you know, they're coming off a loss, so they're going to be a little more amped up. And then just the fact that it is a rivalry, but at the same time, you guys have some momentum off of a a win like you had. Well, we've got to play mistake-free or as near as to mistake-free football, you know, as we can. I mean, they're a team that has played a lot of games, even in one season this last year, as far as they went. And they still, even though they have some players that graduated last year, they still have uh, some players that make them a good team, you know. And I think anytime you have a big game like this, your specials are key. You know, you need some big plays to be made on specials, you know, whether it be a turnover or whether it be a big kick or a big punt or a block. Uh, you know, that to me can be a game changer. And so, you know, that's what we're really hoping happens this week. And then as far as just with your offense and some of these newer guys, I mean, you face Coronado's defense the first week, you go against Burleson Centennial's defense and now Lubbock Cooper's defense. How do you feel like the guys are just kind of using these tests that are obviously some really heavy tests to just, you know, make those improvements? Well, you know, looking back even at the Coronado game, uh, and I've said kind of several times, I feel like this is overall the most complete team by position that we've had. You know, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know till you get there. You know, and you get into Coronado, and uh, you know, I felt like we had some guys that were a little wide-eyed because that was their first varsity experience. You know, but that being said, going into week two, they improved. You know, and so I think that's just what we're going to con- hopefully continue to see. We don't face anybody in our non-district, you know, uh, that or anybody in our district for that matter. Uh, that's that's easy. They're all going to be good, but but you're right about them really having good defenses. And uh, you know, I, I would put Cooper's defense right up there at the top. You know, they're 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 good and they're coached well and they're very disciplined uh, and they can really make things hard on you. So we know that's going to be a challenge. We'll certainly be looking forward to that challenge. Maybe not four overtimes this time, but <laughs> definitely a good game this week. Sure, I'd go four overtimes again as long as we win. Right, Texas, as long as we win. There you go. So thank you, Coach Northcutt. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.